Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and 4DC, the world's first end-to-end strategic podcasting consultancy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Provoke Media podcast. I'm Maya Pavinska-Sims, the Amir editor of Provoke, and I'm joined in a very sunny and hot can today by Michael Frolish, Weber Shamrock's Amir CEO, and David Levin, co-founder of social creative agency, That Lot, to talk about what every brand at the Cannes Lions Festival of Creativity is after, cultural relevance. Michael, David, welcome. Hello. Hello, thank you. It's good to have you here. You just both got here, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fresh off the yes. plane. It's my first wow. can, so I'm excited. This is not your first can rodeo. It is not my, it's my 18th. What? Wow. You yeah. do not look old enough to have been coming oh, to can that Bless long. you. I mean, I do. <laughs> so you've had some early award successes? We have, um, which I'm excited to say we've won a Grand Prix with uh, McCann. Well done. Uh, for East of Swede, uh, which is with the Swedish Food Federation. We also won a silver for it as well. Um, we've won uh, a couple of golds, a couple of silvers, but the one I think we're also really excited about is we won a gold in the design um, category for the H&M Foundation, the Billion Dollar Collection. Amazing. Uh, which is great. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. It's still early days. Well, that's kind of the flip side of everyone moaning that a PR agency never wins the PR lions, isn't it? That actually PR agencies are getting shortlisted and winning in such a broad spread of categories now. Absolutely. And I, uh, so I have a bit of a thing okay. with us being called a PR agency. Okay. Sorry, Michael. Do well, no, what no, no, are you? Because, because we are, I mean, so for a start with David sitting next to me, co-founder of that lot, who's our um, creative content business i mean it's it couldn't be further from kind of pr mm. and everything that we do we are so much broader than that and it's something that we have to i think as weber we have to get the industry and everyone to understand um and entering lots of other categories is not it's, it's because it's deserved like yeah. the work is good and we are winning in those categories so it's exciting so any other first impressions, David, from your first can? I was just thinking, it reminds me a bit of Glastonbury in that everyone talks about how many they've been to, like the same as Glastonbury. There's far too much to see. You have to sort of plan mm-hmm. your time. Have you got tickets to any of the Spotify parties? Yeah, it's awkward that you ask that question because Spotify is one of our clients, one of my favourite of our clients. <laughs> but as a muso, Spotify is, is, is one of, among my favourites. And they said, we'd have loved to have you there. The guests are full. So... What are you hoping to see this week? I know you've just got here, but like, what, what are you looking forward to? David first, because like, this is your first. Yeah, year. no, in all seriousness, I'm so excited. I've kind of really excited to see, I suppose, my area of, of or the things that I'm most excited about are social and tone of voice. So I'm really interested to see the most awarded editorial work here yeah. and seeing how social is impacting work beyond social and some of the sort of biggest wins. It seems like particularly sort of during lockdown, so much of the great work I've seen outside of social seems, it's starting to seem more social, if that makes mm. sense. But yeah, I'm just excited to learn stuff and to see what all the fuss is about. And soak it all up. Yeah. Michael, what are you looking forward to this week? So I think there's, there's two themes that I'm interested in. One is to see kind of what's happening with the metaverse. Um, so back in January, I wrote a piece provoke about whether Shanwick and us building out our metaverse site which is now built and is launched and doing it we're just doing it internally for the moment okay so it's for our internal employees 
we will be opening up to clients and to others, but with a real focus, as I said in, in the article back in January, on um, kind of issues and issues preparedness and more of the almost the hard and yeah the issue side of, of the metaverse and the employee experience side of it. So I'm interested in seeing what others doing. Mm. What I can see generally, what I've seen so far, is that it's all much more about the creative and technology side. Yeah. And actually, I think I think what we're doing is very interesting. So I'm interested in that. The other thing is around the purpose-driven work mm. and how prevalent is that? How many are going to win awards? Traditionally, it was you know, going back, it was the charity ones that won, the yeah. NGOs that won. Then it became more about purpose. But there's been a little bit of a, I wouldn't say backlash, but an interesting debate coming out in the media and some brands, which is about some products should just be products. Mm. They should just be really good quality and a fair price. They don't need a massive higher purpose. And I'm really interested in that kind of debate and, you know, where that lends. So yeah, kind of what the balance is going to be. No, you're yeah. right there. I mean, purpose-driven work has, has led it. Anything that's made the judges cry generally, you know, yeah, you're in. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Totally, totally. Another one, though, for me is whilst there's sort of goes hand in hand with the incredible innovations and things like the metaverse, something I've noticed and I was on a couple of judging panels this year is actually simplicity seems to have been awarded in particularly in my area and social in a way that's really interesting quite exciting to me so it's almost like some of the biggest winners in some of the other awards have been around things that could have almost come out five or six years ago like real but in a really good way just just about pure brands tapping into culture with really strong tone of voice and often just quite light-hearted stuff but it's made a real difference and made a real impact and to Michael's point it's kind of often some of these brands that you wouldn't expect to tap into culture and to sort of change it. But um, yes, yeah, so I'm interested to see how some simple wins might uh, happen yeah. as well. So you touched on on culture there as a big theme. Out of everything else you've judged this year, what other themes do you think we'll see coming through in, in the can winners? Yeah, I mean, we talked about values and uh, yeah, that would make complete sense. The other one for me, I think, is is community. And it's just been interesting to see how brands that are, are properly growing communities and nurturing communities and specifically and I'm, I'm getting quite specific into social now but community management is mm. an area that it still feels like it's quite a underrated undervalued sort of um, resource and actually again some of the biggest winners have been around really innovative examples of community management so yeah I'm interested in that. Give me an example of some cool stuff you've seen that's been winning. So I would say that there was a very exciting campaign that Aldi did. I don't know if you remember, they were accused of copying the same cake as the M&S cake. Yes, Colin and the Colin, Caterpillar. Colin, Colin, love and Colin. They could have responded to that because they got sent, I think, quite a serious sort of legal thing. This is too similar. Their response to, was just quite brilliantly simple Twitter and Instagram banter, I suppose, if you would forgive me for using the B word. Um, but it was so brilliant and so topical and so I think it was at a time when things were so depressing in life that everyone needed something mm. fun and light-hearted and it made such a difference to them as a brand and also so much of it was about how they were sort of heroing their own community and what the community was saying and listening to what you know using social listening um, but it was just it was brilliant and it was some of the best kind of examples of social copywriting and social first content that I've mm. seen for ages and yeah had the benefit of being done by one of our agency cousins. Well done. Good, good plug there. That was a great campaign. And I think the interesting thing about that is that, as you said, we're living through such 
like tough, intense times mm. on so many levels. There's still room for levity, isn't there, in creative work? It doesn't all have to be about purpose and geopolitics. No, at the end of the day, a great creative campaign, a great campaign doesn't you know, have to be with a creative focus, but a great campaign uh, has an impact, mm. does something. And if comedy or lightheartedness will lead to the end result that the company or, you know, that the brand wants to either protect it or promote it, depending on, you know, what, what the objective is, you need to use the right tools and the, and the mm. right way of doing it. So, yeah, it doesn't all have to be heartstring, emotional. Yeah. You know, it's it must be quite tough, though, the conversations you're having with clients to gain tone of voice right, because you don't want to ignore the fact that things are weird and continue to be weird and, and bad. Are your clients really conscious of like kind of getting their pitch and tone just right, even if yeah, they want absolutely. to do something more lighthearted? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. And it's true. I think and it's one of those awful, I, I sort of cringe a bit when I say it, because I know it sounds like such an agency thing to say, but I think it's less about humor and more about being human. And mm. so much of what we do with our brands is kind of, and our clients is helping them, particularly on social, connect in a more human way. Mm. And whether that's, I think if you do that right, actually you can jump from, being quite lighthearted one week or one minute to something that is more uh, serious. And I think finding that sweet spot, and Aldi was one of many examples over the past couple of years that have done that, so much opportunity for, for gold there. Mm. A lot of this is about our main topic today, which is about culture, isn't it? It's about really knowing where you are in the world, knowing what the feel is, what cultural trends are. Why is it so critical, particularly now, for brands to be culturally relevant? Why does that matter? Well, I think it's, it's for brands to be culturally relevant, but also culturally sensitive and not just reflect culture, but also help shape it. And mm. that's how brands will have a most impact. When we're looking at brands and campaigns, we look at kind of the convergence point between society, technology, media and policy and looking at those four different areas and being, um, as we call it, in culture at the center of it, mm. it means that we can help brands and businesses shape the culture, which ultimately helps them, kind of helps them shape their own destinies and their futures. And with so much change around the world that, that you can't control, this helps our clients get some control about their own destinies. But that cultural piece, and of course culture means totally different things to lots of different, mm. different people as well so it's how you really impact and get involved in the world which is in a relevant authentic trustworthy way and for me i'd say culture when i think about culture i think about it in terms of, of just of people and i think so much of why it's important now and actually i'd say beyond important it's essential for brands to to have a strong cultural understanding and resonance is because of social media because they're now competing with not just their competitors, as I've been doing for years, but now on social media, you're competing with everyone for attention. And that democratization of, of content is really exciting for people like me that just spend a lot of time in, in social media. It's also, there are lots of opportunities there for brands, but it's also a challenge in that you have to be as interesting or as funny or as entertaining as not just, yeah, as, like I say, your other brands, but Joe and Jane blogs, which means being cultural and understanding culture and tapping into culture is more important than it ever has been. And how can comms and marketing help brands kind of pierce culture in new ways? What is it that you do that that helps them kind of move forward? So there's lots of things that we do, and, and a lot of it is based in data and insights, mm. is understanding the context of the day, understanding your target audience, and understanding it across uh, many channels. We are very lucky that we've got that lot. 
as part of the Weber Shalman Collective. So it's one of many of very our lucky. businesses. Very lucky. We are very lucky. <laughs> we are blessed. <laughs> we are blessed. Um, and Valor is one of many of the companies that we've got within the collective. And we have a world-class data and insights and analytics mm. team and intelligence team. So being able to understand all of the audiences and how they feel, how they, you know, what they do, et cetera, is so important. And that's how we really drive great insight. We're also very lucky because we're part of IPG. So we've got Axon Canesso. So we've got access to some of the bigger data pools in the world, the first party data. So again, being able to access that, that kind of customer data mm. is really, really important. And at a social level for me, it's about specialists. Like you can't really, like so many of the people we hire now are platform specialists and people that are doing brilliant things on either TikTok or on Instagram, because you can't really get away. You, you can't bluff it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, you know, I think lots of agencies and people used to kind of sort of be able to, but now to attempt to do something meaningful on TikTok without actually understanding that platform is, is, is pretty much impossible. So yeah, we've now got a, a team of uh, TikTok influencers within there, as I think they call themselves. Hashtag TikTok. <laughs> um, what strategies can brands use now to elevate their awareness of how culture is shifting? Because things are moving fast, right? Yeah, and I, I think how we help brands, what brands can do is particularly looking at those four sectors of media, um, policy, society, technology. Those are kind of four of the foundational, I suppose, pillars of what happens in the world. So for brands, um, that's what we do is we help them understand those four different areas and how they're converging to change the context in the world will help brands therefore then understand what it is to be and to shape culture mm. and therefore helping their narrative and what they do. So out of those four things, society, technology, media and policy, what's the hardest to crack for brands? What's the one that they need your help with most? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on the brand and the business and the sector they're in. And obviously we help them. So um, they find it very easy because we help them do it. I think the <laughs> one that's really interesting though um, is policy mm. because I'm a firm believer that you can change the world. You can attempt to change the world from loads of different angles, but ultimately as a, as a race, we look at policy. We live by policies, be, be it health policy, government policy, corporate policy, geopolitical policy, um, whatever it might be. So actually understanding how to change policy mm. is probably the, I think is probably the hardest thing and almost you know, in many ways, the most interesting thing. And I think that's where we as Weber Shanwick, we've got a real edge on our competitors and the rest of the marketing kind of comms world is because we have such a deep DNA and history mm. in policy making and policy understanding. Um, so you put that together with, technology, media, and society. And you start to get a really interesting mix of opportunity to help clients and, and, and businesses and brands kind of start to take a bit of control and change their future mm. outputs. Do you think there's an opportunity, both of you, for brands to go beyond relevance and actually drive cultural change? I mean, is that something that's possible? Yeah, I think so. And I think I'm hoping, I'm, I imagine we'll see this week examples of that. And that's, they're going to be some of the winners here. I think over the past couple of years, sort of um, uh, influenced by the situation we've all been in with, with lockdown and other situations going on in the world, I think 
you've seen some the brands that have risen to the top have been ones that have not just tapped into that conversation they've been sort of part of making a positive change and making a difference i think yeah to, just to pull one example out as someone I'm, I'm mixed race and write a lot about race and black lives matter and i think if you look at the difference between the brands that just did what all the other brands did and those that actually were doing something to really sort of push things forward it, it was um that sort of chalk and cheese but um i think it's absolutely as possible yeah and i, I think to to really change kind of culture and be part of that change it's a long-term thing it's mm. not a quick fix you can't do it overnight and again i think that's where earned is really interesting mm. because when you are in the earned world and you're an earned first network which 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 we are it's all about changing kind of reputation and changing kind of endemic kind of you know, the DNA of a business for mm. the future. So it's very long term. That's how you start to change culture. I think, and no disrespect to to paid businesses, but when you, but I'm going to be, but when you just <laughs> put some paid behind them, it's like a spike and, and a great one. And it's usually about you know revenue generating spike. But I think what we're into and what we can see a real opportunity is about changing businesses and brands for the long term. Mm. And that's where I think being an earned first network is really interesting. It's an interesting time to be alive where brands, if they do it authentically and meaningfully, now are able to be, it's completely normal now, I think, as an, you know, that an ice cream brand could be a brand that's pushing for political change or talking about refugees or in ways that I think a while ago, I think the the opportunity is there as long as you are doing it in the right way. Yeah, 100%. It's really interesting. When we were talking months ago about is Cannes happening? Are we going to be in Cannes? Is it is particularly after the invasion of Ukraine? It's like, is this, should we be there? Should, you know, is this too much fun? And actually it's it's dawned on everybody over the last few weeks that this is where those, those conversations are happening because brands are mm. making a difference in the world. They're more trusted than governments. You know, they can take action more quickly. They've got cash behind them. They've yeah. got a will. They're cracking the whole policy arena, as you said. So this is, there's some really serious grown-up conversations about the place that brands have in the world now. And it's radically different from even three years ago, yeah. isn't it? I mean, absolutely. We, we, we just came from a Weber and Ad Age panel about mental wellness, mental health and wellness, and how utterly important it is. And we know, you know, there is no one in Cannes who will disagree with that. Yeah. However, you have to keep on saying it and keep on acting upon it and keep on doing it because ultimately governments, states, national health services, whatever it might be, just are overloaded. They can't deal with everything mm. that needs to be done. So brands, businesses, employers are now the first port of call. And we are the ones who are responsible to to our staff, be it, be it if you're an agency or if you're a brand, and we can actually help people. We can actually change the world and impact the world if done in the right way. Um, well, that's my ne next question. What's your advice on how to make that, have that cultural impact and intersect with culture in the right way? What can go wrong? And, you know, is there, a, is there a right or wrong way of doing this? I mean, I'm hearing authenticity, David, from you as like a key. Yeah, thing. absolutely. And I think you have to have a reason mm. to be a, a right and a reason to be not just in that space but, but moving it forward and I think again I think this week we're going to see some examples of brands that are doing that right honesty is another one I think mm. and that's where to my example before the the ice cream brand I'm sure I'm thinking of I love about how they go about it is a very honest approach to some of those situations that are often 
complicated and nuanced and often for brands think areas that they they feel sort of nervous to be around um yeah i think i think definitely authenticity trust as you said being real uh, and being human mm. and uh, being really insightful so understanding your customer understanding who, who you're trying to target and what your objective is and then then going for that i do think and it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier on i think it's going to be interesting to see how many purposeful brands mm. are kind of around around the suite because uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago about a particular product that is very, very purposeful, really trying to change the world. Yet, actually, what it was saying is, shouldn't it just taste good and, and cost you mm. know a decent amount of money and you know be value for money? And so, I think there is a balance between being authentic, true, having your right place in the world, but also not going too far. You know, like for brands, just to understand where their value is yeah. and not trying to be something they're not. But sometimes with brands, I think, and Black Lives Matter was a great example of this, part of that honesty sometimes is calling themselves out. So some of the responses that I think were strongest and were best received, particularly on social, were the brands who are saying, listen, we're not there yet. We haven't got it right yet, mm-hmm. or we're, we're working on it. There was a fascinating example on Twitter where someone had, had tweeted saying they were really happy that... Yorkshire tea, um, my favourite tea brand, big up Yorkshire. Um, <laughs> someone was saying they were happy that they hadn't tweeted about Black Lives Matter. And they responded to it, and this became now, this is, um, went massively viral, saying we haven't responded to it yet because we were trying to work out, we wanted to do it right, we didn't want to rush in there. Mm. Um, and they also said, which I've never seen a brand do on Twitter, please never buy our tea again. Um, and it was just such yeah. a, it was quite a powerful response to it, but it was also an honest response that they acknowledged they'd taken too long. And then that sort of became their response. But yeah, I think sometimes you just got to be as honest as possible. Mm. Do you think brands feel the burden of the expectation that they have to have a point of view on everything now? Do they have to have a point of view? I mean, it. I mean, I think there is. I think there is a massive burden. Mm. I think um, because that's kind of the, the trend, it's where the world has gone. Do I think they need a, a point of view on the world? I do think they need a point. Of, I think every brand needs to have a point of view on their story, on their DNA, on where they're going. It doesn't have to be to change the world for the better. Mm. It doesn't have to be to solve world hunger. It can just be to provide a good service or to taste nice. Mm. I think that's fine. But so it does need to understand itself. It does have to have a purpose for its own kind of own right. It just doesn't have to be more elevated and more kind of out there than it than it needs to be ultimately you know brands they're they're trying to make money you know it's it's about profit and people you know being profitable but being respectful and helping people and and the planet you know but brands have responsibility and a pressure just to again it goes back to the authenticity thing Mm. just be true to yourself i think having almost one like you could have an opinion on all these things or a view but i think it's almost better to choose one that is absolutely right for your brand that you actually have a, a real strong passionate view on and a reason to be in that conversation and do it properly rather than just slightly dipping your toe into all the ones that everyone's talking about yeah. which is a temptation i think for brands but i think the, the ones that i think we're going to see awarded this week are ones where they've actually really made a difference and what are we to make of brands i'm interested in your point of view on this day if, if brands don't say anything I mean, not even pending, like mm-hmm. the Yorkshire Tea example. If they don't say anything, what is the assumption we now make about a brand that doesn't have a point of view? Mm, that is a really good question. I think it depends on the brand and it depends on the 
thing that we're talking about. Mm. I would like at this point to to quote another musical luminary from our years, which is Ronan Keating, which is sometimes <laughs> you say it best when you say nothing at all. But I do wow. think for brands... Wow, I'm sorry, that's like... <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Very on the pulse, yeah. uh, very recent musical <laughs> example. But... Um, it's tricky because if you're a brand that, if your customer base and your community, if it's something that they're likely to be thinking and talking about, then it makes sense that you would have a view on that mm. or uh, it, it just would be natural for you to be in that conversation. But generally speaking, and again, I'm, I talk about it through a social lens, it's significantly better to say nothing than just to either do it as a token gesture because mm-hmm. people will just call that out or to get it wrong. And there are countless examples, unfortunately, of brands just being tone deaf or, or getting that yeah. wrong. So I agree. However, um, however, and of course, you've got to get it right, uh, which is you know, sometimes very difficult. But saying nothing can be construed as saying everything mm-hmm. as well. So it is, it's a really tough yeah. Well, we live in. I mean, that's that's why people. It's almost as if Ronan didn't have the full answer it to is, this question. It is yeah. true, and we all we all do look up to Ronan. And in yes. the in the words of Ronan Keating, life is a roller coaster. Wow, it really is. As is can. Um, any other thoughts you've got on brands and the intersection with culture and how to get this really, really right? I think the final thought about culture and for brands to be in culture, it's it's really going to be the only way to either promote, protect, whatever you're trying to do, you've got to be in it with your customers, your mm. consumers. You've got to understand them. You've got to be able to help shape the culture that's around them. And we're very lucky. I'm, I'm excited to, to be a Weber Shamrock and the Weber Shamrock Collective because of all of the ecosystem businesses that we've got, different types of agencies. But, you know, we've got DNA and we've got, We've got lots of different businesses and all of them together really bring different aspects of the marketing communications mix to really help our clients understand that cultural piece. And as we've said several times, if you get it right, it's great. If you get it wrong, it's awful. It can be really bad. So we are really focused on helping our clients get it right and and also to mitigate risk um, and protect them moving forward and help them change what they want to do. Okay. The other thing I'd say with culture is from what I've seen of something that I found really exciting about the way Weber work with clients can also impact a brand's own internal culture. Okay. Which I've really seen. And I think that's had an influence on us as an agency. I think it's kind of it's just most natural to just presume and talk about culture in as a wider sense. But quite often, particularly when we're talking about things and values and it's so also sometimes about looking at what is happening inside uh, absolutely i'm so pleased you said that Thank because you. one of one of our businesses uh is united minds which is an employee experience mm. business uh who focus just on um not just it's a massively important part on, on the employee experience and the cultural shift and organizational shift that employees want to see in businesses have to to move and often cultural change uh happens from the inside out uh, and that's the way it should be mm. Guys, Michael David, absolutely lovely to have you here today. Thank you very much. Enjoy looking at the work. Enjoy soaking up can. And we will chat very soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast from Provoke Media with production support from the strategic podcast consultancy 4DC.